Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. This month, I'm joined by David Camerlingo, Trade and Investment Commissioner for North America for the Queensland, Australia Trade and Investment Department. David discusses their Advanced Queensland initiative and shares different elements of international economic development. Here is my interview with David. Hi, David. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, good morning, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Will you start by telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. So um, my name is David Camelengo. I My official title is Trade and Investment Commissioner for North America, for the state government of Queensland, Australia. Um, ultimately, what does that mean? Uh, I help and support companies from our state of Queensland, which happens to be my home state as well, to uh, grow and expand and scale across North America and also help and support companies from this region, so from US, Canada and Mexico, to consider Australia and potentially consider Queensland for their international expansion, for their, expand, for their investment, for their growth as well. Um, so I'm originally from Brisbane, Australia, which is why I, I, I talk with this funny accent. I have lived in the US for 16 years. Uh, I originally came over here with, an, with a company from Australia. So I spent 10 years in the private sector uh, working to grow and build that company here in the US. And that was in the advanced manufacturing space, servicing automotive, uh, industrial and other sectors and other verticals. Um, did that for 10 years. We were pretty successful. Uh, I'd like to think um, we helped grow the company to about employ about 120 employees here in the US. And then after that time, I was approached by the state government of Queensland, Australia to uh, basically build our, our North American engagement strategy to help other companies from Australia to embark on that same same journey. So that's where I've been for the last six years. I've uh, lived uh, nine or so years of that 16 years in California. I spent three years in Detroit, Michigan uh, in the automotive life and uh, have spent the last four years now based out of Houston, Texas. Wow, so lots of travel. Lots of travel, yeah. Uh, we have a really small office, so it's just myself and three staff, uh, three team members here in Houston that cover a huge, huge space. So we cover you know, obviously the whole of North America, across a number of different verticals. So um, yeah, we spend quite a bit of time on a plane. Absolutely. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your organization itself? Yeah, sure. So, so the Queensland, so let me, let me go back a little bit and actually talk about Queensland. So, and then, and then I can talk about trade and investment Queensland, our agency, um, which is the international arm for the economic development agency for the state of Queensland. So Queensland, is a um have you heard of the great barrier reef absolutely okay so that's a starting point i tend to leave that because most people have heard of that so the great barrier reef adorns our coastline in queensland uh it's a huge state um, geographically huge it's so texas fits into queensland about two and a half times so 
It's two and a half times wow. the size of Texas. Yeah, with a population of about five million people, incredibly diverse because it's so big. Uh, and um, uh, and our agency, as I mentioned, supports our engagement internationally. So we have Trade Investment Queensland is the name of our agency. It uh, we have 15 offices across the globe. A lot of them are centered throughout Asia because that's where our largest trading partners are based, tend to be based. So we have four offices in China, um, Korea, Japan, um, Singapore, Indonesia, et cetera. And then we have a handful of offices outside of Asia, including an office in London, in Abu Dhabi, in Santiago, Chile, and our small office in Houston covering North America. Um, and essentially our, the remit of our agency is to help uh, grow diversify and strengthen the economy of Queensland uh, as it pertains to an international agenda. That is very neat. Well, can you tell us about your Advanced Queensland Initiative? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that actually. We, so uh, I'll tell you a little bit about, it's probably a good idea to start with a little bit about the journey that Queensland's been on. So. Um, I, I made the reference to Texas because there's some similarities to Texas in terms of our primary industries in Queensland. So um, the Great Barrier Reef, uh, although it's not necessarily a primary industry, but tourism is a big part, is a big contributor to our economy. Uh, agriculture is a large contributor. So uh, Australia is, so for example, we're a large sugarcane producer, about 95% of Australia's sugarcane production happens in Queensland, over a dozen and more. Uh, large sugar refineries, fifty percent of the yeah, I yeah, fifty. Yep, sugarcane, um, beef. So fifty percent of Australia's beef uh, cattle uh, is based out of Queensland, and beef production comes from Queensland, uh, as well as a number of other crops, horticulture, etc. So agriculture is quite a large driver. Uh, resources. So uh, from energy, we if if Queensland were a country, it would be the fourth largest. Uh, exporter of LNG. So um, we're a large LNG exporter, uh, mostly to Asia. Um, mining, so we are the world's largest exporter of seaborne coal, so metallurgical coal that goes into again into Asia. Um, so, I'll, you know, you're seeing a, a trend in terms of uh, just me describing our primary industries in Queensland. Um, but the state probably at least 15 years ago made a conscious effort to, um, to prepare ourselves for future industries. So uh, particularly in and around Southeast Queensland, which is where Brisbane is based and the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast, but also other cities in, across Queensland, um, there's been a significant investment from the state government and federal government into our capabilities around technology, around life sciences, around biotechnology. Uh, so you've got these world-class research institutions. And this is a really long-winded answer to your question about Advanced Queensland. Um, but I think it's important to understand the journey. So, yeah, absolutely. so, so the, the investment in the past has been very much around um, research and science, so investing into our, uh, into our scientists, into our researchers, into our research institutions. Um, Whereas now the Advanced Queensland agenda is investing more so in the people in Queensland to be able to um, not only take and commercialise some of that IP and some of that fantastic science that's coming out of, uh, out of Queensland, but to 
encourage a culture of innovation to inspire a next generation of entrepreneurs, to um, bring the community together, to also connect, uh, connect Queensland to the world when it comes to um, taking ideas to new markets and commercialising ideas as well. So that's what the Advanced Queensland uh, agenda is. It's about a, it's a significant investment. It's about a $500 million uh, Australian dollar uh, investment by the state government, so by the state of Queensland. And there's a whole suite of um, different initiatives. And I can give you a few examples of those initiatives, if you like. Yeah, that would be um, great. So, yeah, so, so they range from encouraging uh, coding and robotics and STEM education right through from yeah, what you would call elementary school here in the US, uh, all the way up through to our universities to uh, there's some seed funding and there's a grants to um, help startups and entrepreneurs to demonstrate their technology and their ideas. So actually, there's some small seed funding ranging from about 100,000 up to about $250,000. Uh, there's a program that's entirely dedicated to getting academia, so our universities and higher education institutes, working more closely with industry. So there's funding for if you're an early stage company, to bring on a, perhaps a PhD student or a postgraduate student to, uh, to work on a particular idea or a particular venture. Um, there's one program which I really actually like is a program called Hotdesk. Uh, so it's because it's Queensland, we changed the K to Q in Hotdesk. So it's H-O-T-D-E-S-Q for Queensland. Um, and what it is is, so we've brought, we've brought a lot of our accelerators, our co-working spaces, our community leaders together, like physically together in, in um, different spaces. Uh, so we actually built a, a place called The Precinct, which is in Brisbane, where we brought these entities together to um, encourage more greater collaboration. Um, but what we've also recognised is, while we've got some great ideas and some great people that's uh, quite capable at taking some of these ideas to market, we don't always have all of the answers. And so a program called Hotdesk is entirely encouraged, uh, entirely there to encourage founders and startups and even expat Australians from all around the world to come and spend six to 12 months in Queensland. Um, they get up to $100,000 in funding to work on a venture that perhaps might have some alignment in Australia or perhaps they might be uh, that, that organisation or that startup might already be looking at Australia or perhaps the Australian, the Asia Pacific region. Um, so they get $100,000, they come and work in Queensland for 12 months on their venture at one of these uh, accelerators or co-working spaces um, with one big caveat, and that is that they contribute and give back to the community. So they have to provide mentorship, they have to um, share and perhaps try to inspire some of the other entrepreneurs there as well. So we're trying to bring in this expertise and experience from all around the world. And so, so that program, the Hot Desk program, we uh, just ran the second round of that program last year. We had, I think, 29 uh, startups from all around the world uh, come and spend some time in Queensland for that, for that six to 12 month period. They, uh, we had, I think, 
think we had um, about five or so from the US and two from Canada and a handful from Silicon Valley as well that are spending some time there. So, so we're really about trying to um, build up the expertise and capabilities locally, but also bring some of that capabilities from all around the world to uh, to connect to connect our startups and entrepreneurs with with the globe, with the globe. So yeah, so that's a little bit of a highlight of the advanced Queensland agenda. There's a whole suite of other initiatives under that, but uh, hopefully that gives you a little bit of a flavour of it. Yeah, that's a very neat program. Well. And how do your efforts in trade and investment play into the Advance Queensland initiative? Yeah, uh, so so we um uh, so from a couple of aspects. So from uh, um, and we met during the IEDC conference, the business retention and expansion uh, um, training and and. Uh, seminar mm -hmm. and so we we play our agency plays a role in that in terms of supporting um, even early stage companies from Australia uh, from Queensland that are looking at global markets um, so we try to connect them with potential partners we might help them to find avenues to do some market validation to assess to assess their technology or to assess their product for product market fit in say in the US um, we might even connect them if they're at a, a slightly later stage, we might even try to connect them uh, with, with buyers and potential customers. Uh, and we run, um, so, you know, not necessarily, even if it's not necessarily just around technology, but across our broader sectors where Queensland has some strengths, we, um, we execute a number of different programs and initiatives to, to help facilitate that. So, so one example of, uh, of that is we run industry-led trade missions. In March, just early March, so about, um, about a month ago, we recently ran a trade mission into a, a conference, a major trade show and conference called Natural Products Expo West. So it's a huge, I think it's, it's definitely the largest in North America um, conference and trade show around uh, natural, healthy, organic, certified products, uh, retail products. So we brought a delegation of about 10 companies as part of the official delegation. And then there was about another six or eight um, uh, companies from Queensland that also attended that weren't part of the official delegation, but also participated in some of our activities. And we, um, we bring them to the market. We help facilitate a series of education sessions. So we connect them, I mean, we overload these poor companies when they come in, they get connected with uh, folks that might help them understand their pricing model um, with potential brokers or sales agents with understanding how to get, uh, how to ensure FDA compliance for their products because it's a, if it's a food or, food or beverage product to right through to legal and taxation. And then we also try to facilitate some connections with potential major retail buyers. So, you know, the likes of, I'm based in Texas, like likes of HEB Grocery here in Texas as well. Um, and that's really geared around to, around providing a softer landing for these companies when they look to go international. Um, and so Australia, like Australia's, it's a relatively big market, but it's still a, a small domestic, you know, it's a small domestic market where you know, we are the 12th largest economy in the world, so we're not minuscule, but at some point these companies need to think about going internationally to continue to grow and scale, and that's where we as Trade Investment Queensland and our offices around the world uh, try, to, try to support that. 
Wow. Well, it sounds like you wear many hats doing the recruitment and BRE elements of the trade and investment department. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we do. We, you know, I think of it as a, uh, as a, as a big pipeline, as a big funnel. We're encouraging, we're trying to build the next generation of entrepreneurs to build great companies, right? Not just great products, but great companies. Uh, and then they kind of go through that, that pipeline, that journey, they scale and grow in Australia um, with a view to scaling and growing overseas. And we, we across the whole of Queensland government, not just our agency, uh, try to facilitate that and try, try to play a role in that, whether it be, um, you know, a, a new founder or a new entrepreneur coming up with an idea uh, or, a, or a large corporation from Australia that wants to expand into a new market overseas and everything in between. Very neat. Well, do you have some best practices for recruitment uh, efforts as you work to, I guess, you know, get U.S. companies to expand to Queensland and vice versa? Yeah, that, look, that's a great question. You know, I think a lot of what I've just been talking about has probably been more centered around, you know, BR&E, business retention and expansion from Queensland. Mm -hmm. um, we, we are so consumed with, with a lot of our programs around that, that um, uh, the investment attraction piece probably actually, if I'm being honest, probably plays a slightly secondary role to that. But in terms of the investment attraction for, for us, it's, uh, you know, Queensland is a lot, particularly from the US, Queensland's a long way away. So there's got to be a true, genuine reason for an organisation to consider um, Australia and to consider, you know, within Australia to consider Queensland uh, for, for whatever, their, whatever their business needs are. So, so one thing that has been helpful is not many organisations think of Australia as this, but... Australia is a great um, stepping stone into the Asia market. So we, what, what's, what's interesting is, so my last name is Camerlingo. Um, it's of Italian descent. My parents immigrated in Australia um, in the 50s. Uh, they, that was, uh, there was a, a long history of European immigration that occurred in Australia at that period of time. Uh, and, and Italian, uh, you know, I think probably about 30 years ago, was the second most spoken language in Australia after English. Um, that's trans completely changed with the changing dynamics in the region where now the second most spoken language after English is actually Mandarin, um, closely followed by Cantonese. So we've got large, a large and significant um, Asian presence in Australia. And they're, they're part of our society, they're part of our communities, they're part of our businesses. And so they, I think where, where companies can benefit from using Australia is we've got strong IP protection, we've got you know, a strong rule of law that's quite similar to the US, um, similar regulatory framework so you can feel protected going into a market like Australia. It's not so foreign, although it's quite far away. Uh, it's not so foreign, but it gives you that platform to gives organizations that platform to then use that as a base to service the Asia markets, which are a little bit, you know, can be a little bit more daunting, um, particularly for smaller companies from, uh, from the US and from across the globe. Um, and in, in addition to that, we have Australia, Australia has, the Australian government has uh, negotiated some free trade agreements with Korea, 
Japan and also with China in the last uh, three to four years, that's um, just helped to streamline that that opportunity for companies that are then based in Australia. So, um, so a lot of our messaging, a lot of our communications, uh, and, and particularly our targeting is around that opportunity for for um, US, Canadian, and you know global companies to use Australia as a platform into into the Asia Pacific region. And I don't, you know, I don't need to tell you about the growth that's occurring in that uh, in that region. Right, right. That's very neat. So how do you have a sort of like filtration system or how do you go about finding these companies out in this region that would be interested in, you know, going maybe expanding to Queensland and, you know, how, how do you find these companies? Yeah, great question. This is the this is um, the endless challenge, right, that we have is we I cover such, you know, my team covers such a huge huge region, the whole of North America, we cover a handful of different sectors, which I talked about. Uh, we um, are a small, small team. <laughs> We're servicing uh, BRNE, uh, we call it on the trade side, right? The BRNE aspect of it, um, of companies from Queensland. But we also have to try to identify and support um, companies from an investment attraction component. So we have to be extremely targeted. We use, we use certain tools to help us um, narrow down and target and identify companies to start a dialogue. We, we do a lot of education sessions. So I think I touched, um, uh, we are talking just earlier about a, a, a conference I was just speaking at here in Houston, an open innovation forum that, um, where we can talk a bit about our agenda in Queensland and how it might benefit companies from, uh, from here in Texas and from across the US. But we have to be, yeah, we have to just be really targeted. So, so we we identify, we map the the sectors and the verticals where we think we've got a strong value proposition. Um, so, about some of our you know, primary industries, but certainly around technology as well. The and uh, and we just we go out and we have, try to have conversations with as many folks as possible. But uh, yeah, that that's that's an ongoing that's an ongoing challenge. Is how do you um, segment a market as big as North America to right. to have productive discussions? Yeah, so you know, any advice you can anyone can ever give on that, we're always open to it. <laughs> well, and then being plugged in with economic development, not only in the U.S. but also Canada and Mexico, have you noticed ways that you can share where economic development is really different in each different country? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think, I think, um, there are yeah, definitely, there's definitely differences. There's, there's, I think there's probably more similarities between Australia, US, you know, in Canada, you talked about, um, then there are differences. We, we work pretty closely with a lot, a lot of economic development agencies, uh, across cities and, and even, um, at a state level, particularly here in the US. And we support their, so their international agenda becomes our, you know, our investment attraction agenda in Queensland. So we, um, we work very closely and it's something I didn't really touch on. So we work with a, a lot of EDOs across the market to um, help, help them deliver. Because I think one thing that's consistent is we're all resource constrained, right? I think a lot of uh, economic development organizations are, uh, struggling with you know, limited budgets and limited personnel and so much to do and so little bandwidth to do that. So, so where we can help them to provide education about opportunities in Australia, 
to provide maybe even education about the Asia Pacific region, to um, share with them some, you know, some insights that might be of, of benefit to their companies. Uh, we even, you know, we could even help support and facilitate if they wanted to run a trade mission into Australia, we would very gladly uh, help to facilitate that and help to put, to, put together, you know, um, or help support a program for that as well. So we do a lot of that, a lot of that work. We work closely with a number of um, governments across, you know, across the regions and, uh, and really enjoy working with them. You know, they I think they're great. They have some great insight into their local economies. They have some great insight, um, you know, better than anybody, right, into the local companies and what their challenges are and what they're faced with. And um, and if you know if we can help them address some of those challenges, uh, then then it, then it's a win for everybody. Right, absolutely. Well, so for all of our listeners who might have businesses that are wanting to expand to Queensland, please reach out to David. He is your guy. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and I, and I will say, you know, we we are one state government, um, which is, and it, it's I think. You know, you asked about some of the differences between economic development organisations mm -hmm. in US and Canada and elsewhere. I think in Australia, we have to think internationally because we are relatively small domestic markets. So it's not uncommon that a state government um, like ours would have 15 offices across the globe supporting our international agenda. Um, that is uncommon, I think, in the US, right? You wouldn't see too many uh, state governments that have 15 offices around the world, uh, international offices uh, around the world. Um, you know, maybe there's a few, a few exceptions. So, uh, so it's, not, it's not just us that are here in the US. You have other state governments from Australia that have some offices. You have the uh, Australian government. So the federal government has the Australian Trade and Investment Commission that has offices around uh, based on the consulates around the US and, and Canada and Mexico. So there's all sorts of resources. Obviously, you have the US commercial service that supports uh, exports and trade uh, out of the US. So we partner with them on certain events. There is there is so many resources out there. You just need to know where to find them. So uh, we would we'd be more than glad to have any conversations with any economic developers uh, out there to see how we might be able to help them. Wonderful. Well, David, I have a few wrap-up questions for you. Sure. Yeah, the first is, what's your biggest economic development secret to success for other economic developers out there listening? Yeah, great. Look, great question. I, I think, um, and this is difficult for me because I'm, I'm you know, I probably while I am, I guess, an economic development practitioner uh, in the true sense of the word, I'm based in Houston, Texas, performing one function of economic development for a state that's 10,000 miles away in Australia, right? right? In Queensland, Australia. So, <laughs> yeah, very, very challenging. But for, for us, uh, and it doesn't matter whether I'm sitting in Houston or, uh, or I'm sitting in Brisbane, Australia, or one of our other cities uh, in Queensland, uh, the, it, I think it, for us, it really comes down to knowing and understanding and spending time with our local communities. So our, our, even our agency is a state, state government agency. We have offices all across Queensland in some of the more remote and regional areas across Queensland uh, that work. And we have, we have people in those offices that work very closely with the local governments. They work very closely with their local communities. They work very closely with uh, industry associations and obviously the people and companies from those communities to really understand uh, 
what, what strengths they have, what challenges they have. Um, and that, that works as an incredible pipeline for us to, to develop those really deep um, grassroots knowledge of the capabilities. And then that's, that feeds through our system and it ends up you know, on my desk in Houston and I can, I can identify some great capabilities that might sit in a, you know, in a regional city in, north, in Northwest Queensland that, um, that I know could maybe have an impact here in the US in a market like the US. So, uh, so I, think, you know, I think a lot of the economic development practitioners that I have met are, are very good at really um, getting out there, building conversations and dialogues with the local community, understanding what their needs and challenges are, and then building programs and initiatives around that, as opposed to you know, sitting in an ivory tower and building a, uh, a program or a suite of initiatives that, um, that you think might make a difference. Uh, you know, center everything that you design and build around um, conversations you're having locally. Right, well, and I love how, I mean, going back, you'd said that you guys prioritize you know, BRE over recruitment. I think that's so important. And I think that's sometimes something that gets kind of put on the back burner out here or that I tend to hear a lot, you know, that people are focusing on recruitment so much that BRE um, retention and, you know, expanding your local businesses, um, you know, gets a little forgotten. And so I loved how you were, you know, saying that that's really your main priority. That's just so important and so healthy. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm horrible with statistics, but I, you know, I think I've seen some statistics where, I mean, it's, as you know, that the, the bulk of your growth comes from existing companies within your region, as opposed to um, trying to attract new companies to come into the region. So, so that's where we dedicate and focus a lot of our time. Um, in Australia, we, we, there's so many different uh, support groups and government organizations and mechanisms to, to support growth um, that it can actually it's almost a little to the other extreme it can be a little sometimes I think it can be a little confusing for companies because they go wow we've got all of these uh, different entities that want to help us but um, I think it's because we recognize that uh, it's easier to uh, to help a company grow and employ an additional person than it is to attract um, one additional job from outside of the region. Right, very neat. Well, my last question for you, David, is what is your favorite hobby? Uh, oh, okay. Um, favorite favorite hobby, I have to say, is just spend, spending time with my family. So um, I, I'm originally from Australia, but my wife is American. She was uh, born in Iowa, originally from Iowa. Um, I've now lived in Houston so long that my kids are born here in Houston. So um, spending 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 time with families, particularly with the amount of travel that uh, that I have in my role, um, is always is always the most enjoyable part. You know, coming home to family. Um, but in it, but separate to that, I just ran my first ha half marathon uh, two weeks ago here in Houston. So oh wow, um, congratulations! At a, at a latest, yeah, thanks. At a later stage in life, getting you know, getting more into long distance running. So really enjoying that because I think I can just um uh divert myself away, away from everything and just yeah. uh, focus on running for that period of time so you yeah, really enjoy it that's very impressive <laughs> very Thanks, cool Nicole. 
Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today, David. Uh, it was such an interesting episode and uh, I love everything that you brought to the table. And, you know, I think hearing about international economic development is just so interesting. And uh, I really love that you were able to share so much information with us. Thank you, Nicole. My, my pleasure. And I, and I have to say, you know, I think it's great that you do these uh, these podcasts and um, I love listening to them and getting a sense of how uh, other economic development practitioners view the world and getting some ideas and tips uh, that could help help all of us. So yeah, keep up the great work. I think it's great that you do these. Great. Thank you so much, David. Always great to hear. <laughs> Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.